Thanks for tuning in. First, a word from our supporters. V Coffee Podcast is sponsored by KitchenAid, whose coffee collection is changing the way coffee is brewed at home. KitchenAid worked with baristas and coffee experts to engineer a new line of coffee products. The KitchenAid Burr Grinder allows you to extract the best flavor from your coffee beans by precisely controlling the grind level. The KitchenAid Precision Press Coffee Maker enhances the classic French press brewing method with an integrated scale and timer to precisely brew a bold, full-bodied cup of coffee. Exceptional coffee made simple with KitchenAid. I'm Jesse Hartman, and you're listening to The Coffee Podcast, where our focus is people and our language is coffee. Well, welcome back to another episode. It is my delight to continue doing these episodes, and I want to take a quick moment to tell you thank you for tuning in. Um, Thank you for uh, lending us your ear for being part of the conversation. Uh, we we have some plans for the podcast uh, here in the future. Um, we want to uh, obviously generate better content for you as we grow in our ability to learn what y'all want uh, to listen to and contribute to. We also want to grow in our ability to include you in the conversations. And so we're going to be making some changes um, to the way that we're using different social media platforms and uh, you might hear us do some more things like uh, invite you to leave a rating or review, say on iTunes or something like that. Um, and I just want to be extremely transparent and letting you know that we're doing this as a means to get the conversation more out there. Uh, it's been my impression that a lot of people who might find the podcast interesting aren't actually even listening to podcasts at all. So we're, we're trying to get the word out a little more about what we're doing. Uh, we really do think we have something special to offer um, those who are in the industry, um, you know, with conversations about important topics like sustainability um, and uh, hopefully very soon some other topics I don't want to reveal yet because they're not they're not necessarily in stone, but we want to include as many people in those conversations as possible. And, uh, you know, I, I have to thank a bunch of you for um, telling your friends about us. Um, with that said as well, we, we have sponsorships. Um, you know, we, we choose carefully how we're uh, going to take sponsorships. And we want you all to know, and it's on our website, that we're doing this so that we can sustain the podcast. Um, you get to a point where uh, the podcast it costs money you if you want to increase your quality you know you need to start buying some better equipment and so um yeah we're extremely transparent about this you know some trips are going to cost some money um and i'm going to be going to the coffee producer forum here in uh, columbia in july and so uh, the sponsorships help make those things possible um otherwise it's coming out of our own pockets and i didn't frankly not that deep so <laughs> Um, wanted to thank y'all for that. Um, just as a side note, as, as being a transparent individual as I am. And, uh, and so that translates into the podcast, all that to say, thank you for listening. Um, and, uh, that's the end of that rant today. We have a very special guest who is in Austin and it's the first interview I've had in a while. Uh, actually, I think it's the first interview we've ever had who's not Wes, who's actually in the same room as me, uh, recording at the same time. 
His name is Ben Rodriguez, and he has a lot to bring to the table in the field of latte art. He has won multiple latte art throwdowns, and he doesn't like to talk about it, but he's good at what he does. And so I figured, you know, let's bring Ben on the show and just have a one-on-one conversation, uh, talk about his history, and talk about latte art and what he thinks about it. So join me on the conversation and let us know what you think. All right, Ben, welcome to the Coffee Podcast. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Do you want to... What are we doing here, Ben? What are we doing? Uh, We're chilling. We're talking uh, coffee and coffee-related subjects. It's very cool. I, I think it's important to point out that you are the first human being to be on the same side of the microphone as me. Well, you know, we don't share a microphone. That's unheard of. But, you have a better one. But, uh, well, <laughs> anywho, so I wanted to congratulate you in that regard, but... Uh, I'm honored to be here. Well, Ben, nobody knows anything about you at this point. How does that feel? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Rather, uh, we, so we talked a little bit about... Um, what we're going to talk about tonight, but nobody, nobody knows about you. So just to clarify, I was not saying nobody knows Ben. I was saying Ben's never been on the show. I wasn't being that rude. Come on. How about you? Uh, just kind of give us your story. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into coffee and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll roll on from there. All right. Um, my name's Ben, Ben Rodriguez. You don't, ben the you don't roll the R, do you? Uh, personally? Um, not very common. <laughs> uh, not very often do I roll the R's. Okay. Unless I'm like trying to impress somebody who speaks Spanish. Mm. Um, my name is Ben Rodriguez. Oh, wow. It's better than I can do. Seriously. <laughs> I'm not going to try. I kind of, yeah, I kind of slurred a little bit. So how, how did you do, you're in coffee, obviously. We'll get, we'll get to the, the nitty gritty of what we're talking about today. Yeah. But what was your like first impression of coffee? Maybe as a, as a kid or... Where did you taste your first cup or sip? Um, you know, in all honesty, I feel like the first memory that I could recall of coffee, um, if I had to be honest, I it, it wasn't, well, don't I wasn't drinking me. it out of, uh, <laughs> uh, I wasn't drinking it out of enjoyment. Um, that was kind of, I was just... For a long time, I was just using coffee. Oh, wow. And I think it started in college. Um, <laughs> and um, coffee was just a tool. Okay, so um, you you objectified coffee is what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, I abused coffee. But before that, you didn't have coffee or... Before that, I didn't have coffee. Um, Surely I, you smelled it. Did you, did you enjoy the smell? Yeah, you know, honestly... Um, I gotta stop saying that. <laughs> you know, you got me self-conscious about it. Well, I don't want you to lie. Um, I re- I remember I, my parents. I don't think were big coffee drinkers growing up. Um, I do remember my mom kind of having like an instant coffee around the house, but that's probably the extent of it. Okay, instant. Uh, so you come from your roots are maybe instant coffee and objectifying coffee in college. Uh, n- <laughs> not in that order, but yes. <laughs> Well, uh, yes, in that order. Um, so you, you must have then had a had a moment in coffee where you, you know, you turned the corner, so to speak. You, mm-hmm. 
you looked up into the sky and it, sh- it shined upon you that coffee can be delicious? Uh, it actually, it really did take a while for, I think for it to hit me how, how delicious coffee could be. Um, but it, it, it kind of, my journey kind of started, um, uh, I was kind of just interested in what coffee could be, but I had no idea what it could be. Okay. So was there, was there like a moment? Was there, uh, it was more of like a practical interest, um, kind of with my first, job outside of studying music. Okay. Um, I had a job waiting tables and, um, it was, uh, cafe Brazil in the DFW area. And, Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, they've got a, they've, they're kind of known for coffee with, I mean, their clientele and that they have a bunch of different flavored coffees. Okay. Um, and that is like oils that are added to coffee. Gotcha. After it's roasted. Are, th- are these essential oils? I have no idea. Okay, uh, we don't need Probably to chemicals. continue down that road. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but uh, there was an espresso machine there, and it was, uh, you know, my responsibility to the re- espresso, espresso machine was secondary to um, uh, waiting tables, and um, uh, I was, you know, kind of trained on the espresso machine a little bit when I was starting there. And, um, uh, uh, the more I worked there, the more I would serve, you know, a, the occasional espresso beverage. Um, and I eventually started to realize that I just wasn't really truly confident in what I was doing. Um, behind, with the espresso machine, with sure. the coffee. Sure. And, I would, I would ask uh, these guests of the restaurant after I served them their their drink, uh, you know, whether or not they liked it, how is it? And every time I did, I was hoping for them to tell me something that was wrong with it so that I could do it, do it better. It was a really really bad thing to do uh, <laughs> as, <laughs> uh, as you're, when you're um, when you're uh, you know crafting something and serving it to a right, guest. Right. I mean, it, it, I, I felt, I, I, I imagine at the time it was very clear that I wasn't confident in what I was doing. Yeah. But I was looking for some direction because I, I eventually, you know, it was, it was just clear to me that I was kind of poorly trained and, um, I would never get anything. So I, I, I just, I took it home at some point and yeah. did a little bit of research you took the espresso machine home. And I took, I took, <laughs> I took these emotions. Gotcha. I took this, um, this desire to, I guess, be better at this part of my job home. And I, I remember kind of maybe looking, Googling, looking at some forums, um, and finding that there was so much information there at the time. There was so much information um, and I, and I, I still didn't even really comprehend all that I was reading, but it did, uh, it did help. It opened my eyes to, um, I, I didn't really know what, but I was just like, man, there's so much more to this. Yeah. I, 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 you know, how many times can I say, I, <laughs> I feel like, uh, I don't feel like we've heard a lot, uh, on the podcast, people who sort of their first experience with coffee is, man, this stuff is 
it sucks, but the caffeine's nice. And then there's this sort of wonder that can take over once you get like a tiny peek into the industry. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people think coffee, like I get this all the time with the coffee podcast. Like, so, you know, what do you do with coffee podcast? They're like, oh, you run out of things to say? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I, I, I guess you could, but the industry is, is too magnificent for it. So, um, so you, you must have had good coffee at some point, right? So you were reading at that point and then was there a moment where you had like a certain coffee from anywhere or was there like an espresso that you had? I got to say um, that to my recollection, my first um, kind of like paradigm shifting coffee moment actually was at Houndstooth. Um, um, That's fine, dude. That, and, was, uh, that was me too. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, I mean, I, I felt weird saying it just because I represent Houndstooth, but um, it's cool. You know, um, it's true. Um Shout out to uh, Zach Sanger. Um, he, I don't know if you know Zach Sanger of uh, uh, previously of Dichotomy and Apex. Um, he took me to Houndstooth. We got kind of a funny story, but uh, we actually both worked at Central Market, uh, North Lamar. Oh, that was right, you? Right near Houndstooth. <laughs> uh, he was He was doing like, rotisserie chickens and i was in the fridge in the back like putting together <laughs> salads <laughs> and awesome. um we both somehow yeah uh started chatting started becoming friends and learned that we each had interest in coffee he was already kind of connected um but i, I at some point was kind of telling him man i've I've lived here in Austin for two years and kind of want, I, I, I was just, I did a very poor job of actually trying to go out and get sure. a coffee job, but it, it was kind of always something that I wanted. Yeah. Um, after, you know, like I was saying, being in Fort Worth at the restaurant, then moving to Austin, heard about the coffee scene here. And then, uh, yeah. Um, so Zach and I weren't even involved in coffee at all. And he, he took me to Houndstooth and, um, I'm pretty sure I had, my first good espresso at Houndstooth um, with him. And I remember thinking that it tasted like a, a tart. My shot tasted like a tart apple. Reminded me yeah. of like a green apple. Nice. Um, so he probably pushed you towards like a single origin. Yeah. 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 I have. N- I cannot remember. But um, uh, yeah, I think that was my first kind of coffee moment. And I th- I'm pretty sure before that I had no idea coffee could taste like that. But, yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, I have to share that experience with you in general. You know, there's the, hopefully for everybody who semi enjoys coffee, there's a moment where it's either, I don't know anybody lucky enough to have just stumbled upon great coffee to begin with. Um, a lot of it is discovery. I think maybe we're getting to a point where third wave coffee and specialty coffee is becoming more normal. Mm-hmm. But I know for me, like. You know, it was like Waffle House coffee, Dunkin' Donuts coffee, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I had coffee at places and some more famous places and it was never anything like my first like revelational experience coffee where it's like, what the heck? This tastes like, I don't know, Jolly Rancher, I think 
<laughs> was was one of the things I noticed, and or you know, natural Ethiopian or what have you. Yeah. So you had that moment, <clears throat> and you know, you wanted to be in coffee, and you found yourself in coffee um, at Houndstooth. Was that your first coffee job since the uh, Dallas? Or like, was it there in between? Oh no 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 yeah. The, so my first my first official coffee job. Uh, was at Summer Moon Coffee. Oh, I didn't make that connection. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, cool. If you're not from Austin, you don't know what's going on right now, but that's a that's another coffee place. <laughs> um, well, cool. So you ended up at Houndstooth, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you, you worked your way up to bar, just mm-hmm. based on the format there, and you found yourself in a position where you started to compete. Yeah. Uh, and and throwdowns. That was one of the... That was, re- that was one of the things... The competitive aspect of uh, of coffee, uh, when I learned that that existed in the industry, got me got me even more excited to get in there. And um, what? So can can we pause for a second? Maybe yeah. some of the listeners don't know what the heck a throwdown is. Maybe some people are like just home brewing. There's no good coffee around them. They don't go to cafes. You know, they're not in a major city. Mm-hmm. What what is a throwdown? And like, just break it down real simple. How would you describe it from an, from an outsider looking in? Yeah. Um, a throwdown for me first and foremost is not the competition. It's the gathering of the local community, um, in any given state and city, uh, where we all kind of just hang out and we have a friendly competition, uh, bracket style. Um, and, kind of divided up into uh, several rounds, um, single elimination, um, where in each round you go head-to-head with somebody else and you go to pour a specific design. Um, And, yeah. So, latte art. You know, latte art competitions. I I don't know if I said that. (laughs) I I don't know either, actually. Yes, latte art. So... Um. It, as far as latte art goes, this is this is that thing you know when you're when you're in a cafe, you're behind a bar, and you, you know you pour a heart or whatever you're good at, mm-hmm. you pour it, and the guest is like, "Oh my gosh, this is so beautiful! I'm I can't put a cap on this." I, <laughs> you know what I'm talking it's about? Too good, I can't even it's drink too, it. <laughs> too good, I can't even drink it as they're drinking it, right? Uh, it, you know, and you get a lot of different responses from latte art. You've you've won. Um, a, a good few latte art competitions. How mm-hmm. do you do you know how many? Stop <laughs> <It's> counting. <laughs> no, no. Uh, not that. So I I tend to say not as many as a lot of people like to act like I have. Sure, sure. But but I guess for sake, for um, for any one person, yeah. It, I think it might be something like in Austin. Um, yeah, in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> um, might be something like four or five. Okay. Four or five. Okay, let me put this in perspective for our listeners. I've competed maybe five times, so not not too much. Um, but I never made it past like the second round. Yeah. And so so winning winning five in Austin is that's an accomplishment. You know, it really yeah. is. You're not here to brag. I'm just here right. to try to put it in a little perspective, like. As far as latte art goes, you have it down, I would say. Yeah, and I and I like competition, and I think that is that's a big part of it too. I like the competition. I think that I'm a good competitor. Like, um, I kind of thrive under the pressure. 
And so that definitely sure. helps helps me a lot, you know, besides just because there because there are a lot of people that are, are really good at latte art. Um, and but not all of them win because I think either they're not used to yet or they just perhaps don't handle competition that well. Yeah, there there could be a lot of variables. Sure. Yeah. But the the thing uh, I kind of want to hone in a little bit on is uh, your latte art. You know, you went. How, I don't know. I was just paying attention to how long you were working um, at Houndstooth and mm-hmm. and just to see you go kind of from. I don't know. Your latte art seemed like it it got better really fast. Like you know, like you could. I'm sure you could have bored hearts or whatever before you worked at Houndstooth or. Mm-hmm. But you went from pouring hearts to like pouring really symmetrical hmm. tulips. And what do you think is your like, what is your, what is your like go-to pour? Um, I got to say slow Zetas. Slow Zetas. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's what, that's what I really just like watching. And I, I think they, I think they kind of slow slow anything but especially slow zetas when done well they look the coolest they're most yeah. aesthetically pleasing more it's so just, than anything and they're else. hard to get symmetrical i feel like it's it's harder mm-hmm. i don't know you know i i'm not great with latte art i'm okay mm-hmm. i can pour like a tulip and stuff mm-hmm. but i'm more excited about like i don't know other things maybe i'm just not i can't pour it symmetrical uh, and I think I just reached a point of frustration and was just like, man, I'll never be like Ben. No, <laughs> no, but, uh, I kind of want to talk about the latte art in general. Like what, yeah. how would you describe your, your, you know, the, the getting better? How, how did you go about getting better? What do you do specifically? Do you have like some kind of secret weapon uh, is there anything you can share to help people who are just now starting to pour latte art or people who have been pouring for a while? You think it was kind of groundbreaking for you? And I, I, um, I attribute a lot of, uh, my skill to, um, watching other people who are better than me do it. And, um, uh, Instagram is a, is a great tool for that. Yeah. And it's something that I think, helped a lot because I ended up internalizing a lot of what I, of what I saw in mm-hmm. the little snippets and just kind of like observing pictures and trying to do the same. So gotcha. watching, um, videos and kind of just kind of passively studying, you know, while you're using that social media outlet, just following a lot of really good yeah latte artists. Um, and uh i think translated a lot over a lot of the uh practice that i did um through service mostly you know um but it really it really did take a, it really did take a while and then um it really did take a while to kind of build up a lot of the uh, fundamental skills and just understanding of how the how the milk behaves sure in coffee um and kind of what factors of movement and distance um uh as well as eventually i think uh i and a lot of other people have this epiphany moment where you kind of realize that a lot of this a lot of what makes great latte art possible is is actually like i i tend to say like 
85%, it's like, maybe that's a little generous, but you know, a large amount of good latte art could not be done if you, if you didn't texture your milk properly. Okay. So, like, so the actual, that's like number one. You so know? you're, you're, are you speaking to incorporating, uh, like the foam as you're, as you're steaming the milk? Yeah. So that's and, the texturizing part. Mm-hmm. Okay. And for like really intricate, um, really intricate design, just re- just the most, <laughs> the most, the most impressive latte art, um, you know, most of the time it's the thinner, the better. Really, you just want a little bit of air, you know, kind of injected and then well incorporated. Um, so because the the thinner that it is, the easier that it moves and the more crema you can kind of wrap in gotcha. yeah, the microphone. So let me let me break it down uh, just a little little easier here. So when you're. Let, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and def- define, you know, Ben, what do you think makes a good latte art in a, in a cup? What what factors? And then we'll track backwards and talk about texturing. Um, what makes a good design in a cup? Um, uh, just as we were talking about, first, first thing's got to be your texture. Um, is your milk kind of glossy, shiny almost, very smooth in appearance, very little blemishes. And by blemishes, I mean visible bubbles. You're right. The overall goal is to get any bubbles or air that you're adding to the milk to be invisible, essentially. Gotcha. Um, and so once you've got that... So you want your microphone to be micro. Is that what you say? Microscopic. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, and then as far as the des- actually pouring the design, um, you kind of always want some kind of symmetry, uh, you know, uh, some, some level of, of symmetry, um, uh, with, with certain designs like Rosetta's and Slozetta's, it's kind of impossible to get perfect symmetry, but sure. You know, um, you want it to fill up a lot of space in the cup. Um, no matter what you're pouring. So you don't uh, want it off to the side. You don't want it, you know, in one little tiny spot, you want it to, f- the picture to fill the cup. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want it to, to fill up as much, um, kind of space in the cup as possible. The bigger, the better. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, uh, another sign of actually texturing your milk really properly is going to translate to um, really good contrast, um, and that, that has to do, that has to do a lot with how you go about pouring the design too. Sure. But um, with good milk, um, you can achieve really good contrast, which means that you know uh, a lot of the a lot of the milk. Uh, pretty much all of the milk except for your design is below the surface of the crema. And so basically you just have your design and you have the crema, you have your really white whites and you have your really uh, brown browns and kind of no in between. Right. So you're you're using the crema as kind of a a tool to pop the picture of Mm -hmm. the latte art itself. Um, And... Uh, you know, one thing we talk about in competition is balance, you know, balance top to bottom. Like it fills up a lot of space in the cup, but 
is it is it balanced? And this is kind of a subjective thing, but um, so, so like, is it is it full like top to bottom? Yeah, I mean, is it like is it kind of really busy going on in the bottom and then like kind of overly simple on the top? You know, what I mean, there's just kind of um, things you could consider. Um, so can you can you talk me through? Um, so say you're making a latte or what have you. Mm-hmm. So wh- how are you gauging when to when to incorporate, you know, microphone, when to stop? Is is that all muscle memory? Like how do you get to that point where you're consistent in your milk texture? I th- I think that's probably one of the most difficult things to to do to be consistent uh with your milk texturing. Yeah. So wh- wh- how do you do that? You got to know your your equipment well, so that that takes a good amount of time of kind of just trial and error and and and, and becoming comfortable with how the steam wand that you're using, um, how quickly or how aggressively um, you're able to inject air into your pitcher of mm-hmm. milk, um, and uh, you know. Um, Your question was how how do you go about <laughs> how do you go about achieving consistently yeah. good milk every time consistently yeah as far as texture and temperature and everything is that going to be I think I think a lot of uh, a lot of baristas um, that maybe have issues with something like this um, most likely err on the side of over aerating I think that's where a lot of that's like a big barrier between good latte art, um, b- bad latte art and good, and, mm-hmm. and good latte art. It's sure. like, um, there's a, I th- and, I, and I speak for myself, you know what I mean? Going, there was definitely a point where I had, where I, I, I realized that, man, I really got to just not add as much air. And then once you do that, and then once you keep focusing on, um, the overall, uh, glossiness and smoothness and, um, you know, kind of aesthetic quality of your milk, uh, the better your latte art kind of immediately starts to be once you, once you kind of ease off a little bit. Sure. So you think maybe the number one problem in bad latte art is over texturizing your milk or, or, uh, incorporating too much microfoam? Yeah, I think so. Um, because I mean, if if I if I can recollect on all the times that I botched a competition, yeah, um, it was more often than not a, a, a product of over aerating or kind of accidentally adding oh, more air. Yeah, oh, you know I hate I mean? that. Maybe due to like a really powerful machine or or just even just a little movement of my hand, unintentional movement of my so, hand, kind of get some air caught in there. I have a wild idea. This is um, <clears throat> this is what I like to call 4D podcasting. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to emulate, uh, a bad milk texture with, uh, sounds. Okay. And then I'm going to have you, uh, emulate a good, (laughs) good milk milk texture. Ready? Ready? So this is, uh, this is just bad in general already. Uh, here we go. All right. That's that's just bad. Your turn. (laughs) All right. Try, try to do uh, try to do the one where like you're doing pretty good, and then you accidentally at the end uh, incorporate incorporate some uh, 
accidental. <laughs> this is okay, awesome. Okay. I've never tried this before. Okay. <laughs> oh man oh man all right we're not we're not gonna do that the perfect one is where the <laughs> just goes the whole time and you turn it off and it just kind of goes just like a, almost like a you did it <laughs> it's a it's a whisper, whisper, in your whisper ear yeah, yeah saying you did it. <laughs> wow that was that was pretty helpful um don't please don't uh judge me on my uh, ability to <laughs> audibly <laughs> if you can't audibly like, do it you definitely can't do it <laughs> um so in, in this sort of final final moments here in this episode mm-hmm. um let's talk about something just that's kind of been you know among debate among among debate among 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 the people <laughs> in the coffee industry you have some people uh who believe latte art is uh it's making lattes worse uh, hmm. you know what's funny? It's called latte art, but really, you put it on cappuccinos. You call it cappuccino art. That's beside the point. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it makes sense because because latte means milk, so it's milk art. Well, I, so it's kind of separate from the, I don't, the I don't, beverage latte. But. It, if if I run by that logic, then I like if I order a latte, I'm just ordering milk, yo. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, so, so some people some people they they say yeah it, it makes it worse uh it makes you know all that hard work of choosing good coffee yada yada sort of like down the drain what do you what do you think about that is uh latte art hurting lattes or is it giving the guest an experience how do you measure that Should you deconstruct your latte so that there's milk and three different pitchers? One of it's steamed. No. Okay. <laughs> um, so, first I'll say that I do look forward to the day where the majority becomes, the majority of consumers are black coffee drinkers and espresso drinkers. Um, as until that time, people who are, you know, still attached to uh, a lot of milk with their coffee, um, I think it, it does, uh, latte art is really important. Um, and it does increase the value of the consumer, uh, the value of the beverage to the consumer. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, you you uh, see that that's that's you know without a doubt you see that when a when a guest is purchasing something they get really excited about what's in their cup. Yeah, there's there's no doubt it's putting value to what you're doing. Uh, as or, far uh, as as far as the stance of uh, you know behind the question that you asked, which is is it is it ruining good coffee? Um, I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't think that it's ruining good coffee. I think that, um, and, and, and I haven't heard this stance, uh, very much. Um, like half the people kind of so firmly against latte art. Um, 
if you're going to be so so much against latte art then i would imagine that you're very much against milk in coffee period right i'd be i don't know that's not me holmes well i know but i'm just trying to understand you know what i mean (laughs) whoever would kind of hold this opinion yeah um, you know i i think some people are are holding it because uh it brings up the the topic of you know crema is maybe the the least um palatable part of espresso so the whole idea of getting contrast in your beverage and having some sips that are more potent and bitterness or what have you some might say well that's not you know like a steak or something like that's not a well-cooked steak because you know who who knows it's it's maybe that's a terrible analogy uh i don't know you're you're talking to a vegan so oh yeah that's that's an important point um yeah Yeah, so back back to when you said you would hope everybody would move on to uh, black coffee you weren't you weren't saying like all you people who drink milk, you got no palate. You were you you no. were more on the more on the uh, concept of just not drinking milk. I think that's important to mention, so you don't come off as like that guy. Well, he's like if you drink milk, l- and less coffee. less so. It has less to do with the, the milk issue, yeah. which you know I wasn't going to try to get into, but it 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 has more to do with appreciating coffee on its own. Sure. So, you know, um. I don't, you know, because I don't, I don't have as, I don't have a huge problem with, with, uh, with non-dairy milks, you know, sure. which I believe are the future of, um, the industry. Um, and do you, let's, uh, let's actually jump into just a little bit of practical talk. Um, we're going to go a little over on, on this episode. That's fine. But let's go into a little talk on how to, you know, how do you steam, say, almond milk or coconut milk or soy milk? Do you have to do you have to treat them all separately as different uh, milks entirely? I assume so. Like, it, it, let's just take almond milk. That's probably the most popular alternative milk. Yeah, definitely. How how do you go about steaming almond milk and still pour good latte art? Um, honestly, to some extent, I feel that, uh, there's, it it depends on what kind of almond milk you're working with. Um, sure. And even sometimes with the almond milk that, um, I regularly work with, uh, uh, we just switched to a new one, but, um, and so I haven't noticed maybe as, as much of this point that I'm about to make, but sometimes, I feel it's like there's a little bit that's out of your control working with non-dairy milk. Yeah. And there's, there's some, some tricks, um, you can use to your advantage, but maybe I just haven't practiced enough with it, but I've felt that even with these little, um, even with these tricks to working with, uh, say for example, almond milk, sometimes it, it just still doesn't even show up, you know? Right. And I, uh, and I, and you know, big props to, to, Pacific for kind of seemingly working with, uh, kind of always improving their products. I think, Mm -hmm. I think they're definitely the most, most popular and, uh, I like, I really enjoy their, their presence in a lot of the big competitions. But, um, uh, with that said, I mean, I think that not over aerating is big once again. Um, in fact, maybe 
I feel you got to you got to be a lot more careful about your aeration yeah. with non-dairy milk. Um, less is more, a lot of like big time, and also temperature too. I think lower temp, lower temp. Yeah, yeah, I, th- yeah. I think I noticed that too. And I am the worst at <laughs> at pouring latte art with almond milk, and. Uh, yeah. <laughs> somebody. That was my phone. Sorry. Oh no no you're good you're good you're good. Um, I'm the worst at pouring uh, almond milk latte art. It's the worst. Well, it tastes good. I think yeah. Uh, I think it, I think if if you're just if you don't work very well with it, you just quite you haven't quite f- like figured out the 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 trick because they all have because each non dairy milk you know they kind of have their own. Um, I haven't worked regularly enough with all the varieties of them, but I'm fairly certain that they all kind of have their own personality uh, that you have to become acquainted with. And um, so far I've I've worked heavily with soy and almond milk and kind of not going, being careful not to uh, bring your milk to a hot, really hot temperature really makes a big difference. Sure. Also, um, trying to even, it's almost more important. I mean, we talk about this, uh, with steaming dairy, but, uh, really just getting all your air in as quickly as you can, if possible, right. kind of like one burst and kind of one little suction, kind of just getting your aeration over and done with like mm-hmm. in the beginning and then just incorporating and swirling for the rest of the time and, and being sure you don't get too hot. If, 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 if not just kind of air on the cool side. You know, I think just really helps a lot. Yeah. I, and on that note, I think it's worth mentioning. I think a lot of shops still are taking their beverages too hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been my experience that a hotter milk beverage, like there's there's a threshold. And once you reach that, you've killed the drink. Like there's something that happens to the milk at a certain temperature where it just loses its sweetness. Mm-hmm. And if you're already starting with something that's like already, you know, homogenized and, you know, regular temperature pasteurized, mm-hmm. like you're already dealing with milk that I feel has already is lacking in its sweetie fats. Mm-hmm. And I like those sweetie fats. <laughs> what? <laughs> sweetie fats. On that note. Um, <laughs> So, uh, we normally ask everybody who comes on the show mm-hmm. a series of uh, questions, just like a, sort of a closing bill, so to speak. Sure. Um, and, and the first question I have for you is, uh, where do you see latte art going in the next five years? Do you think, is it still going to be around? you think we're going to have better alternative milks? So what do you think? you think people are going to throw it out because it's ruining lattes? Mm-hmm. No, um, as long as as long as people are, um, you know, still drinking, I honestly don't think people. As much as I'd I'd like to imagine, people there's going to be a majority of black coffee drinkers in the future. I think that, um, you know, espresso and milk beverages are aren't going to become less popular, and I think latte artists. Uh, the more the industry goes, the more um, latte art is fun. And, and it's one of the things that really roped me in uh, to loving my job. I think it's a very, uh, and I think, and I think that 
without it, uh, there's a lot of people who wouldn't enjoy their jobs as much. Okay. Um, and so I don't, I don't see it going anywhere. I see the competitions growing. I see um, more and more people uh, getting excited about latte art and really pushing themselves and kind of pushing the uh, the limits in terms of creativity. Yeah. And, um, uh, I do see, I do see non-dairy milks growing a lot more popular. Uh, yeah. I think we all need to get on board with that. So my last question is going to be, uh, more of a, just a life question. Do you have any advice you'd like to give, uh, the listeners, um, about either being in coffee or general life advice that you felt is really valuable? Um, to you as a human being um continue to push yourself to uh work hard uh you know in whatever you do but within the context of coffee i mean um one thing that i've learned over the past few years uh being a part of the houndstooth team is that um you know i've just really being a part of uh houndstooth has really helped me uh push myself and to really really work hard and um just brings a lot more value and and pride in your work yeah um and you know it can be and that's relevant i think because um you know a coffee job could potentially be a pretty easy job man just you know yeah sure kind of all good times, good vibes, you know, chatting with people, making drinks, having a really fun time. But, um, you know, kind of just keeping a focus on um, taking pride in your work and uh, looking for the best in people and uh, focus on serving, serving sure. others, serving the people you work with. Um, uh, really, you know, brings a lot more, more value to yeah, to, what you're doing. To, to what you're doing, yeah. Yeah, man. Well, hey, thank you for uh, joining me on the show today to talk latte art and uh, for sharing your story in coffee. Sure, man. It's been it's been fun. Thank All right. You. Cheers. Cheers. The Coffee Podcast is produced by me, Jesse Hartman, and my co-host, Weston Peterson. Feel free to reach out to us on our website at thecoffeepodcast.org. You can drop us an email there, and we'll be sure to get back to you as soon as we can. And uh, as always, until next week, happy brewing.